Hello, this is Examiner Radio, the weekly radio show and podcast that covers news, politics, and all things Halifax. I'm Tim Bousquet, editor of the Halifax Examiner, which is online at halifaxexaminer.ca. In the studio with me today is Tara Tyer. Hi. Hello. How are you? Great. It's so wonderful to be back. Yeah, where were you? Here and there. Secret mission. I can't talk about it, but uh, it's nice to be back in Halifax and uh, inundated with Halifax news. Did you vote? Of course. Well, I didn't know if you were out of town and couldn't vote. I was in town here in order and... uh, They let you vote from that Turkish prison. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Russ, hi. Hey, Tim. Hey, Tara. Yeah, did you vote in our election? I did not. I've been away. I've been away too long. Okay. Have you been gone that? Long? Yeah. Okay. This is episode number 114 of Examiner Radio, and as always, you can listen to the show on CKDU, which is 88.1 FM radio in Halifax, uh, on Fridays at 4:30, or on their website at www.ckdu.ca. And you can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or any other place that you find podcasts and get each new episode automatically delivered to your device of choice. Just search for Halifax Examiner in that platform search engine and it's going to be the first result. We had an election this week, <laughs> in case no one noticed. And as has been well reported, the Liberals eked out a very narrow majority, two seats. The Conservatives remain the official opposition, and the NDP picked up two seats. One of those two seats the NDP picked up had been held by the Liberal Minister of Community Services, Joanne Bernard, and she was defeated by the NDP, Susan LeBlanc, who will be in the studio with us momentarily. Okay, so normally we uh, we jump into the week in review, but right before we do that, I just I just want to make a quick pitch. One thing I I, I think we noticed in this election is the necessity of a strong independent press. And with the Chronicle Herald remaining on strike uh, and their decimated newsroom, I I think that's uh, it's been less than robust. Uh, And in fact, we we had Halifax Examiner contributor Katie Toth on uh, this week's Canada Land Shortcuts uh, to talk about Nova Scotia election coverage. And and she really pointed out that... uh, you know, healthy democracy means uh, having a healthy press. You know, I've looked at the last, I mean, I've been involved in, I think, one facet uh, or another of the Halifax Examiner uh, since its inception uh, about three years ago. And it's consistently delivered that healthy, robust, independent press. And I, I look at, you know, I look at the stable of, of writers and reporters and contributors L. Jones, Stephen Kimber, Erica Butler, Jennifer Henderson, uh, Toph Lambie, Evelyn White, uh, Linda Pinozo, and, and and so many more. And uh, I, I just realized what a valuable source of information uh, Nova Scotians have with the Halifax Examiner. So, I mean, creating the Halifax Examiner and putting a whole bunch of content online basically every single day of the week, this all costs money. These writers need to be paid. There are production costs associated with producing this podcast. 
and just the basic day-to-day expenses of hosting a website and paying for phones and computers and cameras and paying business taxes and all of these things. These are all tangible expenses, and we rely on our readers to support this endeavor rather than accepting advertising. So if you think that Nova Scotia deserves a robust independent press, please consider becoming a subscriber. Just go to www.halifaxexaminer.ca slash subscribe. Let's, uh, let's dive into the week in review. So a quick note, today, Friday, June 2nd, is day 499 of the strike at the Chronicle Herald. And as always, solidarity to all of our colleagues who are out on the picket lines, uh, whether that's uh, in Halifax or up in Sydney or any other place where, uh, uh, where they have a bureau. So were either one of you surprised by the election results? No. <laughs> I, hear, I was hoping that you would have this whole giant uh, paragraphs on your little sheet my there. My and notes. Be, because people have been hearing me for the last week. And I you know, just... no, no. And, and the thing, to be honest, right, because I've been out of town a lot, you know, I mean, it's not like I've been checking on this every day, you know, every hour to see developments. But it's interesting to see, you know, the news that trickles your way and the stuff that doesn't. And a lot of the time I had to go hunting. Like, oh, yeah, what's happening with this election? Because it just seemed to be sort of rather luckluster, a little thing, I think, predictable to the in the larger extent. In many years, the fact that you had a party coming up winning the second majority back-to-back majorities, yeah. like since 19, what, 1988 would be the, the main story. I think there was one in the 90s, but yeah. Okay, but not this one, yeah. right? Um, and this one was all about the low voter turnout. What do you think about that? You know, that doesn't surprise me either. It was interesting to see, you know, the, the story that was in the CBC where uh, Don Mills did the, the poll and said that, you know, the 80% of people that he talked to said they intended to vote. It's like, well... Okay, sure. Yeah, I mean, I intend to vote just like I, you know, as long as it's nice out, you know, as long as, uh, you know, I can fit it into my day. It was a beautiful day, too. It was a beautiful day, as long as I know where to vote, as long as it's not too onerous. Well, a couple of things. Uh, One, McNeil, uh, the premier, scheduled this election for uh, almost uh, apparently consciously to depressed turnout uh, for a weekend after the universities had let out and and just before the summer vacations for a lot of people start. He announced it on a weekend. So there, you know, those people who are not as plugged in as maybe we are here in the studio uh, wouldn't have even known about it for a while. There's that element. I mean, none of the students were around. Yeah. For virtually the entire campaign. Although students traditionally are not a a large voting segment. No, um, but, right? yeah. but what we did see in the last federal election anyway is, you know, a, a, you know, a large contingent of young people coming up to vote in that election. Um, so, I mean, it is possible. I have I've written extensively about low voter turnout. I, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. I think it's a signal in, it, in and of itself uh, from the electorate or potential electorate to uh, the powers that be. Like, hey, you know, you're not throwing us here. And I don't know how else you 
express that sentiment. Uh, and the, the very close, the election wasn't really called till one one thirty in the morning um, because some of the the writings were so very close. People, you know, there's sort of this collective zeitgeist that that was expressing a dissatisfaction that uh, no single person could express. You know, or am I just kind of crazy there? <laughs> well, you are. That is true, <laughs> and and no, I think there's something to be. Yeah, absolutely said for that. I mean, what's interesting is, you know, when you walk into the polling station, and uh, and my district is uh, the north end of Halifax, everyone is really excited to be there. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's because you feel you're part of something, right? So once you actually get there, it is somewhat exciting. It's, yeah. you, you feel like, wow, you're this is democracy in action, and well, I'm fin- part Finley of this. Finley Center over in Dartmouth was hopping, man. There were lines. But it's getting there. It's getting to that point. But, you know, I mean, I'm glad I vote, voted. My husband said, who'd you vote for? I'm like, I'm not telling you. <laughs> we can talk about money. We can talk about general politics, but I'll never tell you how I vote. That's private. Absolutely yeah. <laughs> private. Uh, so, yeah, the voter turnout was low. Uh, I would say, in part, that that's because there was no, I think, one defining campaign issue. I also think that, honestly, neither Jamie Bailey nor Gary Burrell really presented a huge alternative to the incumbent Stephen McNeil. Well, you know, uh, I, I, I'd have to disagree with you there. I, I, I do think, and this is not even a partisan thing, I just think it's a matter of fact, that the NDP's platform was radically different than the other i mean he w- he was calling for a billion dollars in additional spending on on social issues and the platform included a 15 dollar minimum wage these were radical proposals categorically different than anything else that was offered now it is true that no one really much knows gary burrell uh, mm-hmm. You know, he hasn't been in the news a lot. He doesn't speak from the floor of the legislature because he, he hasn't had a seat for four years. You know, he's been up in the gallery with with us reporters. But uh, there was a difference, and people can reject that difference, and may- maybe they did. But I, I don't think it's uh, – they're all the same in the sense they're all middle-aged white dudes, and there is that. But he was bringing a, a, a different platform, or the party was anyway. Hmm. So why do you think that the NDP platform didn't seem to resonate with the voters? Is it because they, they, they felt it was unrealistic? Or is it just that uh, people haven't forgotten the Dexter administration? This, this is sort of the flip side of that. Tim, predict the election. Uh, and then, after, <laughs> then the election happens, and it's like, Tim, tell us what was inside people's head when they voted. How the hell should I know? Yeah. <laughs> Tim, get out of there. Get out of there. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I, I would just guess that people were, were – um, some people, anyway, were strategically voting, just like they in in the last federal election. A lot of people, a lot of people who typically vote NDP went liberal because they really wanted to get rid of Stephen Harper and they wanted to make sure that happened. Right. And I think in in this election, I mean, it wasn't to the numbers that it was successful, but I think, especially in rural areas and suburban areas, people um, voted PC because they they saw that as the possible counter to Stephen McNeil, um, and they were willing to abandon their NDP vote for that. And 
I think that in the in the strong NDP districts, so the 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 two in Halifax and the two in Dartmouth that I'm most familiar with, I don't, I don't know Cape Breton at all, so I can't speak to that. But in in those four districts, they're usually very heavily NDP, and they were even more so this time. So, uh, with the big exception of Citadel uh, Sable Island, which went mm-hmm. liberal. Mm-hmm. And and remember, if you you know. When you're looking at it just at the writing level, right? You're in the the polling booths and you're looking at the list of candidates and you're you know, you're thinking, so do I vote for the person that uh, you know came to my door or that I might have met a few times? Do I vote for, you know, the the party because my district has always gone a certain way? Or, you know, do I think, okay, you know, maybe this particular party is, is going to form the government, so I want so I'm going to vote for that person who represents that party so that we have the representation maybe in the on the cabinet so i you know all the candidates all the parties they they i saw awful lot of organizing um more i think than than in past elections and i think that was reflected in the high early vote count which uh some people mistakenly believed would lead to a high turnout overall but we saw this in the city elections too, right? Uh, just because people are voting earlier doesn't mean that the total will be higher. It, it just right. means that the the party organizations or city hard candidate organizations are are strong and are able to get out their their partisans to vote early. But then it does, it's not reflected in the rest of the population. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I believe we're still waiting on sort of a breakdown of the vote, right? Of uh, you know demographics yeah. and yeah. yeah, so that might tell us more about what's going on uh so i mean the the liberals got in with one more seat than they needed for a majority so they needed 26 of 51 for a majority they got 27 seats is there any chance over the course of this next term that you might see a couple of couple of mlas crossing the floor well, anything's possible. Uh, with two seats, I doubt that the Liberals will lose members. Now, it's possible they could go the other way. Uh, I can mm-hmm. see, uh, you know, a PC or two walking across the floor in return for a cabinet appointment or something. Uh, I have no idea who that would be. But even that seems kind of doubtful. Uh, there were a few high-profile candidates that fell short of the mark. John Wesley Chisholm, who's been a, a, a guest on Examiner Radio a couple of times, was running, but he was also he was running in Halifax, Shabucto, and he was running against NDP leader Gary Burrell and incumbent Wahim Stroink. So I guess it's not that much of a surprise that he didn't get that. That's a, a pretty heavy lineup to be fighting a- Uphill battle for any PC to win on the peninsula. True. And... Uh, you know, we're sorry, Matt Whitman. You didn't make it. I hope your fellow counselors will welcome you back with open arms. He was defeated, I would say, handily. He, he did lose to an incumbent, right? Yeah. Ben Jessam. So, Tim, how do you feel about seeing Whitman back on council and can returning I, to council? Can I do my uh, side-eye thing on the radio? Does that work? <laughs> I think that might be our image for the uh, for the show this week. We'll just use the word "kavfefe." Throw uh, that in there. That's what you mean by that, right? Uh, do we have to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The the bigger surprise to me is uh, Brad Johns 
getting elected for the PCs. I keep wondering, is is he going to bring that talking Christmas tree to Province House? That, <laughs> that would just, uh, the talking Christmas tree was more articulate than Brad Johns himself. And uh, just one thing that I wanted to point out and note that uh, it was Maggie Rar's story in the Coast about Michelle Coffin. She was the, you know, the longtime liberal insider who was assaulted by her boyfriend, Kylie Harris, right? So remember, he was working on the campaign for the liberals as the communications director. And suddenly, I think it was Jacob Boone at the coast who kind of broke that story that uh, Kylie Harris was back. Remember, after he had, um, I believe he was uh, convicted of assault. And Michelle's name was never mentioned, but she kind of decided to take back that story and speak out. And, uh, you know, Maggie did quite an, you know, a a really long, um, in-depth look. It was a very well-written piece. Um, And fact-checked, yeah. It was sympathetic without being unfair, you know, kind of in that impartial journalistic uh, lens and uh, uh, really got into the context. But you can say more about that. Well, you know, for me, there a lot of things kind of stood out. One thing, which was just a number, and it was, um, she noted that one-third, so two of the six female cabinet ministers in uh, McNeil's previous cabinet were victims of domestic violence, right? So that's two of six. And for wow. me, for me, yeah, it was just a reminder that, you know, if I'm in my classroom, I, you know, can look around and know that chances are there's a, you know, a young woman um, or a young man, but someone who was a victim of domestic violence, right? You know, just think of, you know, the people when you sit in the bus that, you know, we often don't think about it, but they're there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We don't really have time to dissect the article right here, uh, so we'll just point people to it. It's at the coast.ca, and, and um, we'll try to get Maggie in. I don't know if that's possible or, or what, but... Uh, I just wanted to really raise the article today while we have time. And we're going to take a break here on Examiner Radio. When we come back, we are going to talk to newly elected NDP MLA, Susan LeBlanc. You're listening to Examiner Radio. joined in the studio by Susan LeBlanc. Hello. Hello. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. You are coming in. uh, You just are victorious as an NDP candidate for Dartmouth North. That's right. Maybe we should uh, find out about you. Who are you? (laughs) Grew up in Prospect Bay. 
went to King's for university, but then took a theater degree at Dalhousie. And uh, shortly after graduating with that, I I did a lot of theater gigs, but then I joined Zupa Theater uh, about a year after I graduated. And so I've been working with Zupa and creating theater with, with uh, that company, our company, for about 18 years. I now live in Dartmouth North proudly with my yeah. partner and our two little kids and our poodle. And... Um, a Wikipedia entry was thrown up about you, I think, in, really? in the last couple of days. Yes. How exciting. Uh, yeah. Um, so uh, from that, <laughs> I learned you, you have a, a not not insignificant career in TV and, and movies as well. Yeah, I, uh, I've done um, – I, w- I would say that theater is my main, my main uh, game, uh-huh. <laughs> but I do have done some um, film Fisher and TV. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, 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 things that I'm most proud of are actually local things, Tom yeah. and Jason Buxton and Andrea Dorfman. Those are um, some of my We've had two of the three on this show before. Have you? So, yeah. <laughs> um, whatever inspired you to get involved in politics? <laughs> You know, I complain a lot, number one. <laughs> I'm awfully or often displeased with the way things are going. I have some strong opinions, but I've been a volunteer on many campaigns. Um, I've always been kind of fascinated by politics and by, by politicians. Um, but I really do think that this time round, I felt like I wanted to step up. I feel... For a couple reasons. I, number one, I was really inspired by Gary Burrell's leadership mm-hmm. and uh, his his win as leader. and I And I really... Um, took to his message that he was uh, offering in his leadership campaign. And I thought it was a really exciting time to be a member of the NDP. But also, I think as an artist, you know, my life as an artist has been to respond to the world around me in different ways. And I felt like it was a, a new way of responding to to the world. It was like a natural extension mm-hmm. of my work as an artist to actually become uh, someone who could respond to what's going on in the world in that way. You and I met some months ago at a um, event held by theater folk mostly who were talking about the impact the Chronicle Herald strike had on arts organizations. Mm-hmm. You're a co-director, I suppose. Is that your title? Yeah, co-artistic director. Co-artistic director. Can you speak to that quickly? Uh, about the strike? and Yeah. We decided very early on in the Herald strike to boycott the Herald as a as a company. So uh-huh. that meant we we refused any interviews. We didn't um, we didn't place advertising in the Herald, and we um, yeah we didn't want to have reviews done or photographs. So taken. when they show up, hey, we want a free ticket so we can review mm-hmm. your show. Your your yeah. no. No, Buy a ticket like everyone else. <laughs> in the world of independent theater, it's rare. Like, you have to actually chase people to come and see your shows to review them. So, you know, we weren't turning anyone away at the door. But we didn't we didn't solicit anything from them. And we, I was very vocal in the community at the time about everyone taking a stand, the, having a united stand against the Herald. And yeah. most people did. And Zupa has taken a financial hit as a result of this. I mean, it's hard to to really quantify that, but but sure. I mean, yeah. the fact is is that lots of people read reviews in the Herald and then come to see shows, and so no one is reading it about us. We didn't usually advertise in the Herald, um, but plenty of folks do and did. So we really didn't suffer in that way. But in terms of reviews and previews, actually, for ticket sales, I'm I'm sure we've taken a hit. Back to the political realm, Dartmouth North, I live just outside the district, but uh, Dartmouth North has a long NDP history, Mm -hmm. uh, going back to Jerry Pye at least, Mm -hmm. if not before that. But you had a bit of a, potentially on paper anyway, a a strong uh, incumbent in Chilean 
Bernard, who was a cabinet minister. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you're right. Uh, It's kind of interesting that you mentioned Jerry Pye because, (laughs) you know, he was the MLA. I think he was elected in 98 or 99, Uh but he was a counselor before that. And any time I spoke to anyone who wanted to discuss any representatives that they had had, it was Jerry Pye. And I've never (laughs) personally met him, but I felt like, you know, really big shoes to fill. He called me up uh, a few years ago (laughs) and, like, uh, convened me in a Tim Hortons to set me straight about the world. (laughs) 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 Anyhow, people, you know, people loved him and or love him. And back to Joanne Bernard, I think that, you know, it it was something for a rookie, uh, a rookie candidate have never run before to um, against uh, a cabinet minister. But I also think, um, you know, she was the Minister of Community Services. And in Dartmouth North, I think, I believe this is still true, that we have the highest amount of users of uh, the services, of community services, uh, in the province. And so that's a tough place for her to be. And, uh, you know, the fact is, is that some of the decisions that were made early on in the Liberal government, uh, the first Liberal government, really affected the people that live in Dartmouth North negatively. We're speaking on a Thursday, and uh, this morning, Robert Devitt had a piece about uh, Joanne Bernard and saying, making the point, the claim, I guess, that uh, poverty uh, activists, people working on behalf of poor people who are themselves mostly in that community, uh, really stepped up their game, their political game, in opposition to her. Now, it's hard to quantify that, but you were hearing that on the doorstep. Mm-hmm. Eh? Definitely. Definitely. Um, and, you know, with, with different meetings I had gone to leading up to the election campaign since my nomination in October, I was I was attending ACORN meetings and uh, uh, I had a few meetings right before the election with people from the Benefits Reform Action Group. And, um, yeah, they, they have been hurt by decisions made and they wanted to they wanted to make uh, a difference. And uh, I didn't obviously work directly with them during my campaign, but uh, I'm sure there was stuff going on behind the scenes. I'm speaking with Susan LeBlanc, who is the newly elected MLA for Dartmouth North. What's next? You when do you take take your job exactly? I don't know. I no. mean, now. I mean, yesterday. <laughs> already, I went into the uh, campaign office this morning to pick up a slow cooker, <laughs> and um, there were like a stack of messages from people needing constituency help, and I don't know when that begins. I mean, I have to do it as soon as possible to get back to those people, but. Um, I think that on Monday I will get my feet a little bit more. I'm going to go into the speaker's office and figure out how exactly I set up my my so constituency. You need office. an office and a staff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I have yeah. to hire somebody to yeah. help me. But it, you know, it it feels doable <laughs> and soon. But I don't even know when the swearing in is. Yeah, I don't think yeah. they've decided that. Likely, the legislature won't meet until the fall. But there may be committee meetings long before mm-hmm. that. I would imagine. Mm-hmm. Right? I would. I would guess. And also, there there is talk that it might actually go in early, so, so that a budget can be passed. But, oh, I see. Yeah. Do you personally have a um, portfolio that you'd like to take up in opposition? I mean. I would love to be the culture critic, only because I, you know, I feel like I know that area. I have a lot to say about uh, about uh, that department, but also I'm, you know, I'm interested in many things. I think that um, issues around poverty are very interesting yeah. and important to me, and especially as the MLA for Dartmouth North, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna be um, confronting a lot of a lot yeah. of those issues daily. So that's important or interesting to me. You, yeah, but I'm also interested in a lot of things. You have a, um, uh, I think it's 
fair to say this, a, a, a fascinating caucus. Now, you're speaking artistic. Another member of your caucus is Lenore Zan, who has a, a long uh, history in, in uh, film and television. And how many women do we have here? Five. Five of seven. Five of seven, yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, that's uh, unprecedented. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty exciting. And it, three of us at least have uh, kids under – well – uh, at least under 10 uh-huh. there's four kids and uh, Lisa Roberts kids are maybe a tiny bit older but you know still young kids what do you think that will bring to province house the women yeah I think um, you know I think it's I think uh, we, hopefully <laughs> a, a new set a fresh set fresh sets of eyes on um, on issues that affect a lot of people you know health care child care education senior care and elder care largely i think fall to women in 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 the community for a long time all of the decisions around those things have been made by men and i hope that more women in the in the legislature can bring a new perspective on all of those issues and see if we can't get further in some of those places now as remarkable as your your victory was and as five of seven women uh in the ndp caucus the NDP is not the official opposition. It's still a small presence in, in Province House. Mm-hmm. What do you see happening over the next few years? <laughs> you know, I think, I mean, I hope that uh, because of the platform that we presented in in this election, which was probably the most progressive platform uh, to be presented in any uh, election campaign in Canada mm-hmm. in at least a long time. Uh, I, I hope that I'm gonna, we're going to see conversations around things like $15 minimum wage. Uh, I hope we're going to see conversations about what investment means as opposed to what austerity uh, does. And we will keep pressing that. We will keep fighting for those things that we talked about in our platform. But it also does give us some time to, as, as a party to uh, – to organize and keep organizing, uh, you know, on a grassroots way, and keep those con- keep those uh, issues and, and the idea of investment in uh, the public consciousness. It's an uphill battle. Uh, we have a, a majority government government now. Who mm-hmm. um, it seems very likely to me that in the next in coming months they'll force uh, contracts on public employee unions and do as they've been trying to do for some time now. How do you approach that as as being you know not even the official opposition just just a presence in in uh, province house? Um, is there some tactic that you used <laughs> or some some approach that you bring to this job? Or? Yeah, I, you know I don't know I don't know yet I can't answer that because I, I I don't know the ropes yet I don't have yeah. my feet, but for now I'm going to concentrate on my local issues and what comes to me locally. It is kind of you know, sad to think that that's going to happen. I'm sure it will. Um, I will fight, and I will be there to to extend the hours of, of the legislature and do all of the things that strong oppositions need to do. And and again, make sure that there's an alternative presented to the public that we don't have to do things like this, and that there is a different way that can actually work a lot better for our province. I guess it helps that uh, Gary Burrell will now be on the floor, yeah. so people may start to know him in a way that they haven't been able to know him. Before. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, even just getting, letting him be able to speak and ask questions in question period, I think yeah. it's going to be really important for of course, the public. Of course, the PCs did remarkably well in the election as well. 
you know, nearly getting to that point where they could force a, a minority government, but mm-hmm. not quite. Do you know these folks that, that you'll be working with at, at Province House? Is there anyone you're particularly looking forward to knocking heads with or being <laughs> able to collaborate with outside of your party? You know, no, I don't really know anyone. I mean, I've watched, I've watched, uh, sat in the legislature and watched people back and forth, and there does seem to be some really great personalities on the floor. Yeah. Um, people who actually enjoy, you know, the, the, process of of being in the house so i am you know i'm a like i'm a friendly gal i'm gonna hopefully make some friends across party lines but i'm i am totally excited to work on committees and and to work across party lines to make good decisions i I asked that question somewhat uh selfishly is that uh we've are attempting to get some of these folks you know jamie bailey and 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 the premier here in the studio Mm -hmm. to uh, talk to them about that but so far our efforts have been unsuccessful but we'll keep working on it what haven't i asked you what what do you you want to leave with oh wow i um hmm, i guess i would want to leave with a hope i one of the things that you know people ask me about why they should vote for me, which is a big, you know, it's a tough question to answer, is that I, you know, I do think that one of the number one things is to not only be in a constituency office and receive issues and try to solve people or help people figure out how to solve their issues. But I want to be proactive and present and say, you know, like, let's get some committees going and let's do some things in Dartmouth North. You know, I don't know. I don't know what. Like, I could say a bunch of things that have no substance, really. But I want to be out well, in the community. Re- that's refreshingly honest. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, I want to, yeah. obviously, I want to hear from people, but also go, hey, what if we did this? You know, in our, in our, in Zupa, in our company, our big way of working is to say what if and we have a book of what ifs that when we're in the room uh, creating theater there's a book off to the side we run we have an idea we run over and write a big what if and it's for for things that we can't address today but that we that we can look at and sort of like see if there's things that we can try and put into a creation you know in two weeks or maybe in the next creation. Um, And so, like, what if we just, everyone started asking that. What if we did this in our community? And I think that we could do some really proactive, exciting things. So that's my hope. Let's leave it there then. Um, I really appreciate you coming in. I know you you must be exhausted (laughs) and you're about to embark on a whole new form of exhaustion, I guess. So I do appreciate you coming to the. <laughs> it's my pleasure. I've been speaking with Susan LeBon, who's the newly elected uh, MLA in Dartmouth North. You're listening to Examiner Radio. We'll return right after this. That's a wrap for this week's Examiner Radio, the weekly radio show and podcast produced by the Halifax Examiner. I'm Tim Busque. I'm Tara Tayo. And I'm Russell Gregg. As always, we'd love to know what you think. If you have comments on what you've heard or story suggestions for future episodes, please send us an email to podcast at halifaxexaminer.ca. Thanks again to Mark Pinio from the University of King's College for taking this week's episode. Until next week, your phrase is Matt Whitman. See you next Tuesday. And in the studio with me today is Tara Turo. Hi. Hi. Do you want to do you want to take that again and uh, <laughs> pronounce her last name right? Tur Tur
Tire. Just tire. <laughs> yes. You've been away too long. I have. I know. <laughs> and just so you know, I have been called worse. Oh yeah. <laughs>